Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions when it's baseball season pretty much every other week is Mike Clement. So Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, because Ole Miss baseball over the weekend took two of three from Vanderbilt. And can you believe this? Of every single SEC series Ole Miss baseball has won, Vanderbilt is the only series that they took two of three from. All the other ones are sweeps, and then they lost the rest of them. So a big weekend for Ole Miss baseball. They absolutely had to have it. What does that mean for the regional hosting possibilities? Bunch of stuff with Clem on the Modern Woman phone line. Coming up in just a little bit, but Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? So one and done in the softball tournament postseason? Yeah, we got smoked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As per, you know, standard for par for the course. Um, Yeah, not, not, not a good showing on the year. I'm not sure what we'd have to do for next year. This this, this may be a, a one and done altogether. So uh, maybe stick to golf and and and, <laughs> and leave the softball for the for the professionals out there. Look, I told you this in a minute. I feel like you deserve this. You deserved a humbling experience. I'm glad you got it. Every time I text you about something, you inevitably, in some way, turn it around to talk shit to me. So I feel like you deserve this. Some humble pie served to you. <laughs> By some just redneck dudes from North Mississippi in the softball. How bad was it in the postseason game? How bad? Uh, I mean, it, it almost turned into a brawl. I mean, honestly, our season just mimics that of, of like the Dallas Cowboys or something. You know, I mean, See? we just get out there. We have all this talent. We look good. And I'd be dog if we don't just get smashed. You just had to do it. You had to turn it back to me. <laughs> you know that I'm already frustrated with the Cowboys. You had to do it. Whatever. Ole Miss baseball won two of three over Vanderbilt. Doug Nikhazy stepping in for Gunnar Hoagland, who officially is out for the season. Tommy John surgery today, as you're listening to this, to repair the UCL tear in his pitching elbow. Doug Nikhazy stepped in for him on Fridays, returning to a role that he held all throughout 2020 and for the first month, if not a little bit longer, of this season. But he outpitched Kumar Rocker. As far as Ole Miss's postseason you know, aspirations are concerned, it was encouraging to see Doug do what he does, and that is when his team needs a lift, when his team needs somebody to step up, take the whole team on his shoulders, quite frankly, Doug did it again. 
the gut punch that was losing Gunnar Hoagland, forget Tim Elko for a second. Forget losing Kale Baker for a little while. Forget losing Peyton Chatney after the first series of the year. Losing Doug for a couple of weeks. Gunnar Hoagland was the biggest gut punch of all because of what he meant for the overall outlook of this team in the postseason because it's going to the postseason, obviously. It's going to be a regional host now, obviously, unless it gets swept at Georgia, and then it's probably a little bit itchy, I guess. But Doug, to do this, the gut punch of Gunnar Hoagland, God, man, it was just so painful. And any team, that would have derailed them in a way. Effectively, you're just playing out the rest of the season. There's just no hope. But then Doug does what he does. And I think that's just, when you think about the greatest pitchers, in Ole Miss history. Talent-wise, Doug is a talented pitcher. He's going to be a top three MLB draft pick, all those things. He's not the most talented to come through Ole Miss, as far as his stuff is concerned. As far as metal and just big nuts, when he needs to step up and do it, he's going to be one of the all-time greatest pitchers to ever come through Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, let's just talk about Doug McKay's ear for a second. I mean, the the stuff that that he does when he goes out on the mound is – is what you hope any kid would be like. I mean, the the guy just absolutely goes out there and competes. And I will say this: he's one of the, he's one of my favorite Ole Miss baseball players of all time. And he, um, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of great ones come through here, but man, there is nothing funner than watching this kid pitch. And he pitches with emotion, and he has he has a good time doing it. And uh, it's like it's like the the tougher the situation, the more Doug wants the ball. And he's a, um, I mean, he's a, he really is a great old Miss Rebel. I mean, I love the way he competes. He's he's really inspiring for for a lot of kids. If if if, I, if my sons were old enough, I'd make them watch every game that he played in, just because. Um, I mean, the the way he the way he handles himself, and the way he goes at people, and the way he he doesn't get shaken out there and responds to everything that happens. Um, hats off to him, man. I mean, he's a great old Miss Rebel. All right, when you think about the greatest competitors in Ole Miss athletics history immediately comes to mind is Marshall Henderson. Immediately comes to mind does Bo Wallace. He was a gamer like that. Marshall Henderson was talented, one of the most talented, but he was also one of the greatest competitors. So you go on like that and you pick out guys. For you, where would Doug rank? I mean, in baseball, man, I mean, Doug is right there at the top. I mean, he he is he, – I just think that he – every time he takes the mound, man, I mean, he just – this attitude out there, the he just delivers. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. That Mississippi State game was the best pitched game in Ole Miss history, in my in my opinion. Just to go out there and do what he did after losing the first game. Um, I mean, I, he's he's up there high on my list. I can't remember many guys that that that, that are that quite just are clutch and compete like he does. Drew Pomeranz. He had the best pitched game in Ole Miss history. So yep, that pitching performance was insane. It was completely irresponsible from a pitch count perspective, but what Drew did that night on that Monday was just nuts. Yeah, Drew, Drew was just, he's just, he's a little bit different. He's just such a generational talent. I mean, Drew is, I mean, he is, um, yeah, I mean, he's just so damn talented. It's just a, to see a guy like Doug, who's not huge, he's he's just a normal-sized dude out there just ripping the ball, um, competing, you know, freaking fist pump. I mean, the dude the dude is, is having a good time, so... Um, yeah, I mean, he, he he is fun to watch. He, he'll he'll be a he'll be a legend here. T.J. McCants moved to lead off, and he did his thing. Jack freaking Doherty had another great performance in relief. Yeah, he gave up an inherited runner, but whatever. Obviously, Ole Miss still has warts, but Hoover's next week. This is the last week of the regular season. Look, riding the roller coaster with you on the weekend through text message is quite hilarious. Because on Sunday, when it was 10-7, to 7, Brad immediately texts and says, this loss is going to be painful. And I said, well, it's inevitable. But I would understand if any Ole Miss fan out there had flashbacks to 2019, the SEC championship game on a Sunday. Because the last time Ole Miss played Vanderbilt on a Sunday was the SEC tournament championship game when Ole Miss jumped ahead. I think it was 9-2, to 7-2, something like that. 9-1, to 1, I can't remember exactly. But it was a big, big lead, only to blow it and lose 11-10. to 10. So if an Ole Miss fan out there, like Brad was feeling like this was some deja vu. I get it. But then to see TJ McCants, Jacob Gonzalez, <laughs> Jack Doherty, all the those are three freshmen, all the guys that we've been talking about here, do their thing and close the door on that. That not only gives you hope for what this team can be in the postseason, because offensively it's still one of the best teams in the country, but also moving forward foundationally. Now, I'm terrified to think about what the rotation is going to look like next year, but offensively, Look at what you've got coming back. When you look at the numbers for T.J. McCants and Jacob Gonzalez, 
especially T.J. McCants now in SEC play, he leads the team, or he's tied for the team lead, in batting average in conference play. And his OPS is second, well over 1,000. This duo might be the best freshman pair to ever come through here. Yeah, I, I would certainly – they're certainly headed towards it. I mean, these these two kids are absolutely hot. Um, not to mention, I mean, they're just getting better and better too. So, yeah, I think you're right. The foundation for the future with those two are, are um, is, is really promising. And I think when it's all said and done, we look back and say that, that may be the best pair to ever come through here. Um, I just can't ever remember a pair hitting at the clip they're hitting at. I mean, these kids are both hitting in the mid threes. Um, that's, I mean, if you'd have told me, Hey, both of them are going to be 280 this year, I would have been happy. They'd have probably been freshman all American. I mean, they're, they're on pace to be all sec as freshmen, not even just freshmen all sec. Do you feel better now? Even knowing that Gunnar Hogan's not going to be a part of this team for the postseason, he's done as an Ole Miss Rebel. He's going to be a first round pick in June, even with Tommy John. Tommy John is not the death sentence that it used to be. Seeing Doug do what he did, do you feel better now than you did when you got kicked in the gut when Gunnar Hogan went down? Well, first off, at the when it was ten to seven, you wouldn't have put one dollar of confidence saying Ole Miss was going to win that game just because you know what was potentially coming out of the bullpen. Now Kimbrell comes out and throws an absolute amazing relief performance, but other than that, you feel like you're stuck in the fourth inning. It's still ten to seven. No way you thought we were for sure going to win that game. But secondly, yeah, I think that um, you know I, I, I feel good, and I feel good because obviously I feel like you can go into a series and Doug can pretty much beat anybody. He he, he just proved that um, playing against Rocker. So and then our bats, I mean, our bats are going to have to keep us in it. If the bats stay hot, I, I think if if you look at it, we are. I mean, we can compete with anybody. We've beaten a ton of the, the teams in the top ten. If you if you pull out that win versus Mississippi State, pull out a win versus Arkansas, and maybe win the Texas A&M game, we're the number one team in the nation. That's how small. I think I texted you that earlier too. That's how small the margins are. And I mean, I I, I think Ole Miss can beat any team in the nation. It's just a matter of um, you know keeping the bats hot and Doug doing what he's doing, and then you know we got to outdoor people on Saturdays and Sundays. And honestly, I think the key here is if Derek Diamond can can get back somewhat to his old self and, and have a hot performance through the postseason. I think we could beat – I mean, uh, we should be in there with everybody and have a chance. A little bit of a spoiler alert for the Clem interview, but one thing we talked about was what do you do with Derek Diamond? He obviously doesn't handle the pitchers. He's the hitting coach, and he's not in the conversations, every conversation. He is in some conversations, but he's not in every conversation with what to do with the rotation. But in regards to Derek Diamond, what do you do? He kind of hinted at the possibility of rolling with Derek Diamond through the first turn through a lineup and then basically go into a bullpen game. Now, how would that line up? Well, I guess Jack Doherty has some length to him. Jackson Kimball just showed he maybe has some length to him. But you have to have some other guys step up and actually pitch and show that they've got some metal. And Austin Miller's number one. You come into a game where you're up 10-2, to two and you give up a grand slam. You don't record an out and give up a grand slam. And I know Austin Miller doesn't have tremendous stuff, but he's got to be a part of this. So if you're going to play the bullpen game, which I agree with, because I think that's the best route for Ole Miss to take if it's going to have success. Because, look, you can get through a regional with Derek Diamond, Doug Nikhazy, and Drew McDaniel. You can get through a regional that way. But if you get to the three-game series against a really good team, say you got lined up again with, like, an Arkansas, there's no way you're going to have a repeat of what you had when Gunnar Hoagland went out there as a freshman on Sunday and got knocked around. Derek Diamond, same kind of deal. What you would do is set it up to where Derek Diamond, because he's dynamic this way, because he did this against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt hit some really good pitches against him. I'm not going to knock Derek Diamond for what Vanderbilt did first time through the order. Yeah, they got two hits off, and they were both home runs. But those were good pitches, and the wind must have been doing something funky because I have no idea how that second home run got out. The other ones, though, it spiraled, snowballed, and it was on him. The first time through, he's actually really good. So then how do you set that up? Jack Doherty could be the guy that follows him. Maybe Jackson Kimbrell. But that means guys like Austin Miller and whoever else, two guys preferably, have to step up. Not named Taylor Broadway and Jack Doherty. Jackson Kimbrell showed he's maybe one of those guys, but that's how you have to set it up to win in that kind of scenario because you're not going to have a repeat of Gunner on Sunday at Arkansas in the Super. I think Ole Miss can get through it. And I think one thing that's going to happen for sure is usually you've seen Mike Bianco in a regional throw his ace against the four seed when he's hosting that first game, just to win that first game. I don't think he's going to do that this time. I think this time what he's going to do is probably roll with either Drew McDaniel or Derek Diamond in a bullpen game against the four seed so he can set up Doug against the higher seed. And I think that's the right call and the right move to make. 
But it's just interesting that when you try to play out how Ole Miss wins, offensively, we're not even worried about them anymore. We thought that Tim Elko losing him was going to be catastrophic. It hasn't been. They're still scoring a shit ton of runs. They have one of the best offenses in the country, the best offense in the SEC by a number of different measurable standards. So it comes back to that bullpen that we've been talking about for so long. The biggest disappointment of this season has been what, man? The bullpen, because we came into the year saying, well, Ole Miss has 22 arms on the roster. And look how many veteran guys they've got. And now, when you look at what they have that's reliable, one of them is a true freshman that was redshirting well into April. So, yeah, it's time now. It's time now. You need the Austin Miller run to happen, like it happened in Hoover last year. Somebody or a few other guys to show up because this team still has the ability. I know it's been frustrating as hell, but this team still has the ability and still has the makeup and still has the roster to make it to the College World Series. That might sound crazy, but they do. Yeah, they certainly can compete with anybody. I mean, I mean, we've showed it. I mean, look, look at the amount of wins that we have versus the, the top 10 and the amount of wins we have versus ranked opponents. I mean, we can get hot just like anybody else. It's just a matter of you're right. The bullpen's got to step up. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I would agree with you. you you're going to have Derek Diamond plus the bullpen, but the problem with that is um, you got McDaniel's going to require the same kind of deal. So, I mean, how how much of the bullpen can we actually rely on? So hopefully we can get the performance that like like a Kimberbolt-type performance that we have to. But, but ideally, at least Diamond at the worst, you would hope, would kind of return to – to somewhat a form and, and put on a show in the postseason to at least get to five innings. And that way, if you had to do the bullpen game, it would be on Sunday. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think we're going to, um, you know, uh, I'll be interested to see what we're going to do in Hoover. I mean, say if we do start, if we keep hitting the ball well and we make a run there. I mean, what do you, what do you do when you get down to the fourth or fifth game? I, have I mean, who, no idea. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting, but, who do you um, start? I, th- I think you gotta go Jack Doherty. I mean, I, but he's I, I, so I, critical to your bullpen. I, know, I honestly I, think they would start Josh Mallets. I think I, my, I plan something. I think would be good. I mean, this may be a bad plan, but I think you. What if what if you started Doherty on Sunday, then followed him up with McDaniel, or you went Diamond then McDaniel on hey, Saturday? Trying. I've been all about the opener possibility. Like start Taylor Broadway for three innings. Here's one idea for you: start Wes Burton and pitch him for two three innings. He's a guy that will probably be a fourth or fifth starter in Hoover. Yeah. Do you have yeah, to make a deep run this year in Hoover, though? I mean, if you're Ole Miss, does that really help you all that much? It might. I don't know. Who knows? But, I mean, I think with our bats, uh, man, I mean, there's a chance we get in there and start slugging it around and, and end up beating some <laughs> beating some teams with our, um, with our offense. And then then after you get, you know, you, you win the first two or three games, and then, then after that you're saying, heck, well, let's go ahead and try to do this thing. So, um, yeah, I think it depends on how they do the first couple games. They've got 16 wins. 16. It's the fourth time in the last 10 years Ole Miss has entered the final weekend of regular season play with at least 16 wins. In the other previous years, which was 2018 for sure. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. 2014 and 2016. Ole Miss hosted a regional each one of those years. So Ole Miss is going to host a regional. The question is, I don't know, can you be a national seed? Does Hoover matter in that way? And Mike Clement, he'll know. But I want to do a football fix real quick. Let's play some football! Run right through the back of him. Run right through the middle and out the back. It's time now for... Football Fix. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. All right, Brad. So Paul Feinbaum said on Monday he's not sold on Ole Miss's defense in 2021. This is what he said. I just still don't know about their defense. I mean, they were hard to watch last year, and I think they gave away so many games. The Auburn game may have been an officiating debate. Duh. There was another game, I think it was LSU, the Alabama game. You can go with it any way you want, but I'm just not sold defensively that they're going to be able to stop a lot of teams. But from an offensive standpoint, no, they'll be a delight to watch and give Kiffin credit. He's really got it together there. I know that it's tough as a national media type to keep up with every team, it's nearly impossible. But come on, man. Ole Miss has absolutely overhauled its defensive personnel. They've got so much more on the defensive side now. What did you think about that when you heard that? Yeah, I think it's exactly that. I mean, he he has a 
I get it. I get what he's saying. I mean, the defense was that bad where if you're a national media member, it'd be hard to look and say, hey, they're going to get that much better. So I can go out on a limb and say whatever the hell I want because I haven't been paying attention to the team and realizing that we brought in you know, tons of different defensive players. You have Otis Reese all year. You have Jacob Springer. You brought in the two Juco guys. You got a ton of freshmen that are that are you know performing well. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be – yeah, you're going to be a totally – not totally different defense, but a lot of different defense personnel. I think it's going to be much better. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be all world, but I think it's going to be a much improved defense. Hell, even if it's halfway better, will be will be a hard team to beat. But yeah, I, I just don't think he's probably probably hasn't dug into all the moves that Ole Miss has made to to really understand the the overhaul of the defense. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I I can see what he's saying, but at, at the end of the day, Ole Miss's defense is going to be better this year. And if it's not, they're going to. I mean, I'd imagine most guys on that staff are going to be jobless. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's just I didn't expect you to say that. Chance Campbell, he's a new addition. Honorable mention, all Big Ten. He's a transfer from Maryland at linebacker. I don't know how good he is, but numbers-wise. Tywon Malone, Talik Robbins, uh, Jacob Springer you brought up. They're going to have Otis Reese for a full year. Markevious Bryant, Tysheem Johnson. I mean, there's so many guys. So many guys. It's not like they have to make a huge leap. They were just among the very worst in the entire country last year. Okay, what's a significant jump from 130, 123 to 80? That might be good enough to go from 5 and 5 in a 10 game all SEC schedule to what? 9 wins, pushing for 10 wins. Your defense doesn't have to be world beating. Maybe just be really good in one particular area. Maybe almost forces turnovers. Maybe almost is amongst the best turnover creating teams in the SEC if not the country. Just do something really well, right? Yeah. You don't need a huge well, jump. I, I would just say let's just start with being competitive, man. I mean, it's, yeah. some some games last year, we literally couldn't even stop the team, and, and they would just do whatever they wanted to us at will. I mean, you got look at the Kentucky game; they ran all over us. The Florida game, they threw for dang near what seven hundred yards, six seven hundred yards. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not even realistic football. I mean, it, you know, a quarterback comes to a game, he throws three hundred. That's a great game, like. 600 is like something on a, on a whole, that's not even a competitive level. That's, that's like when you play the smallest. So yeah, just something competitive where we get some stops and, and not every drives a touchdown and then you get some turnovers and you, you let your offense work. Obviously, I mean, our defense is always going to give up bad stats because how quick our offense moves and how many plays they're going to get. I mean, that, that's just the nature of the beast. But at the end of the day, if you can't stop a soul on multiple drives, I mean, that's not even being competitive. You're hoping to to come out there and actually make a, you know, make a defense work and get some three and outs and a turnover here and there and, you know, be a competitive defense. And then if your offense, you know, performs the way it did last year, you know, you, you would think you're going to be a very tough team to beat. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and Fiddler 247 Sports. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Before we do, see you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, howdy. Let's hear from B&A Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 
or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter going out to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Essentially... A co-host of this show. I mean, you're on so many times, Mike. That's right. I feel like you're on every two weeks, but That's it's right. baseball season, and you're the best. How you doing? Good, good. I think in the fall we just start having a regular show. I'll I'll try to break down uh, what I know about college football, which is not much, and we can roll right into basketball in the winter, and then um, then we can get after the baseball coaches in the in the spring. Hell, we just need to get you on the payroll at this point, man. I need to get you paid for this. Wait, wait, hold on. I don't know if that's an Ole Miss allowed or NCAA thing. So that was a joke. It was a joke. But look, this weekend was big. You took two of three from Vanderbilt, the first SEC series in which you took two of three from an SEC opponent. So I guess the place to start is this. I know that Mike Bianco has talked about the resiliency of this team, and that's true. And uh, he's talked about how this team always seems to bounce back, and that's true. But when you got the news of Gunner going down, that couldn't have been easy because y'all are human beings. And then to come out, play well this weekend, beat number two Vanderbilt. Does the team overall, the general vibe in the locker room, is it different today? I'm going to answer that a couple different ways. First, we are human. And, uh, man, it was tough. Really tough blow. Um, on a lot of different levels, uh, it it stinks. And it stinks for Gunner because I think all of us – and probably anyone that is listening to this knows that um, he has a lot on the line personally. Uh, and it, it, he's still going to be, uh, he's still going to get drafted in the first round, but uh, has a lot on the line personally, obviously a great teammate. We selfishly have a lot on the line as a team. And you want that guy and all of that. So uh, you're absolutely right on the, on the, on the human element of it, man, it was crushing. You just kind of cut your, your legs out from underneath you and um, really tough, really tough news. So uh, I don't, you know, I want to be completely forthright with that. Um, what coach says to the media and uh, you guys post game and all of that is really true. And, and the best way I can explain about the resiliency of our team uh and it's really hard to put your finger on, you know, when, when you're used to, especially in our sport, there's so many statistics and analytics and all of those things. And you, and you want to be as black and white as you can. The hard part that you can't quantify uh, is whatever the culture, um, you know, resiliency, what, how those kinds of things of, of your team. And, and clearly our, this team has that. And the best way I can say it is <clears> – <throat> with these players and it, and it really started last year um, because we have mostly the same group back. Um, there is some sort of humility to them, not caring who gets the credit. Um, and I give our older guys a ton of credit. I give Graham and Elko uh, and obviously I work with the position players, but even the Casey, I give those guys a lot of credit. They've been around uh, Justin bench and they are genuinely thrilled for McCants and Gonzalez uh, to get credit. Uh, they're, they're perfectly fine with that. And that's not always the case. Um, and, in, and in fact, I think that unfortunately has become um, the exception to the rule. And um, so I give those, those guys a ton of credit with their humility and just, you know, we've talked about this before, but the way that those guys come to the ballpark every day, like, I needed a pick me up a week ago at practice after the gunner news and um, kids are resilient that way. And they just showed up and uh, were their same selves and goofy and were ready to get after it. And so um, that part of this, that element of this team is, is really, really fun. 
One thing that helps, obviously, is having Doug Nikhazy. He stepped up and answered the bell so many times in his Ole Miss career. It seems like every time Ole Miss needs a big pitching performance, Doug's been the one on the mound. And this weekend was a good example of that. Moving back to Fridays, replacing Gunner, going against Kumar Rocker, and he deals for seven innings, and he outpitches Kumar Rocker, likely a top three pick in the MLB draft in June. Doug, just the critical nature of his role with this team, and I know left-handers are weird, but it just seems like this dude doesn't care what the moment is. He's just the same. It's just very chill. I mean, the, the heart rate's always the same with this guy. He's just chill. Yeah, two different things with Doug. Uh, one, I think we – I mean, I guess we have to stop talking about Doug is – you know, can Doug outpitch this guy, you know, the, the famous guys in our league, yep. and probably need to start talking about, you know, I don't know if Kumar can – can match zeros with Doug. And that's, that's no disrespect to rocker. Um, he was pretty good, you know, and, and if they win that game seven to three, no one really talks about, you know, the McCants home run or the, or, or the Graham home run or any of that. And so as competitive uh, and confident of a pitcher that I've ever been around, um, you know, you just think about in, in his, whatever it is, two and a quarter years that, that he, he has been in this program because of COVID, the, the number of games where he has taken the ball um, with us, I don't know if I would say need, but what, with a win being really, really important to our program, whether it be the Clemson game and game two of the regional in 19, <clears throat> excuse me, or some, or some of the games this year where we get beat on Friday and, and, and need a win on Saturday. Uh, he has, he has stepped up every single time um, and shouldered the load. And um, yeah, super impressive. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I could sit here and properly articulate uh, how how good he is and how important he is to our team. One point eight nine ERA and fifty two and a third SEC innings. Point nine seven whip, seventy two strikeouts. I mean, the numbers are nuts. For those of us, and it's all of us, that don't get to see him during the week, what's his week of preparation like? Because you can't just get the Friday and go out there and pitch. So for him, it's got to be a pretty regimented kind of regular thing that allows him to get yeah. to this place where he can just go out there and stuff it. For sure, for sure. Uh, a lot of arm care goes on. And then, you know, he's got this this routine of, you know, when he is going to, um, you know, depending on how he feels that week, Some sometimes it's a full bullpen that he does. Um, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, sometimes, you know, if he, if he didn't bounce back as well from the weekend before, he'll just do what we call a short work where the, the catcher isn't at full 60 feet, six inches, but he's able to get off the mound and just kind of touch and feel as far as his pitches go. Um, and then part of his routine is, and, and something that he loves is it's just the position player in him is going out and, and shagging fly balls while we hit BP. Um, Obviously, no no diving for him, although he'd like to um, for balls. But he just likes to get out and 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 go run around and and, and catch balls. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and obviously getting with Josh Porter from an arm care standpoint, and then and then Coach Boone up in the weight room, um, just main, maintaining really lower body strength and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's pretty regimented. Um, a lot of times, I, I make fun of the pitchers just because I don't work with them about what do you guys even do during the week? Like just play catch and like what, what's going on down there. Um, and they're a different breed anyway. Um, and so, uh, but uh, yeah, he's, he's the leader down there. Um, and uh, boy, what a, what a good example for the young guys. Look, it's the last week of the regular season. You go to Georgia this week and UT Martin on Tuesday, the hosting conversation it's happening. It's now, this is the last chance to pad the resume the resume is already strong, and I know that y'all just take it one game at a time. You don't think about it too much. The players don't. But even Mike admitted on Sunday, look, you as coaches, y'all have a good idea of where things are and where things stand and what you got to do. So for y'all right now, do y'all feel like y'all need one, two games? What does the criteria kind of look like for y'all, in your opinion, in regards to hosting a regional? Yeah, I've always thought, uh, or at least the last couple of weeks, and again, you're right, like we preach one game at a time and all of those things, and we believe that. Uh, clearly we, we, we definitely believe that. Um, but also part of our job is to see the big picture as coaches too. So, um, answering, uh, answering that question, honestly, I think, um, 
I've always thought if we get to 17, we're in really good shape, 17 conference wins, which is obviously one more, um, you know, and, but the hard part as a coach, uh, you know, you always, uh, looking at it through a di- little different lens sometimes. And, um, you, you, you want to, you want to put the rubber stamp on there. And, and so clearly if we, if we, if we win the weekend, you know, over in Athens, uh, you know, I, I think we're in great shape. I don't think that they could possibly keep us from hosting. So, uh, I feel pretty good about 17 wins and, uh, uh, anything more than that, I think, uh, I don't think they would be able to keep us from, from playing postseason baseball in Oxford, which is obviously the goal. Six in the SEC right now, that means if play started today in Hoover, which it doesn't, but if it did, y'all would take on number 11 seed Kentucky at 1030 on Tuesday, May 25th, which would be awesome for me because, God, games early in the morning, I love them. They're the best, man. They're just the best. Anyway, the real question is this. The SEC tournament, how much does it matter? Because it used to matter a lot in terms of the postseason and positioning in that way. Does it matter as much this year because of the predetermined sites and all that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, it does, as it pertains to what you're talking about, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it clearly matters because there's a trophy on the line, obviously. And so um, historically, or at least recent history, says we play pretty well over there. Um and, uh, and, and we want to continue to do that, obviously. And so, um, I think we'll probably be playing for something. You know, the hope is that you go to, go to Athens and play well. And then all of a sudden, man, you, you play well in Hoover and you're talking about being in those top eight seeds and, um, potentially, and then, you know, being able to play in Oxford all the way, you know, to Omaha. And so, uh, I think there's probably going to end up being something online. It seems like, almost everyone that's there almost not not everybody but almost everybody that's there always is playing for something now that may not be the case with arkansas this year i think that they're in probably pretty good pretty good standing but you know those bottom teams are playing to either win the tournament so they can continue their season or get into a regional and then there's people in the middle that are trying to host uh and then you know the the upper half uh, those, you know, two, three, four, five, sometimes six teams. Hey, we're trying to get into that national top eight national seed picture. Um, so it seems like everybody's always playing for something with the exception of one or two teams. And, um, yeah, it's important. And our guys love going over there. And I think it shows with, with the way we've played, um, you know, probably since 2016, at least in my time here. I haven't looked at the updated numbers, but going into the Vandy series, the Ole Miss offense led the SEC in hits, run scored, on-base percentage, batting average, top five in the league in slugging percentage, doubles, walks, hit by pitch, sacrifice flies, runs per game. And this is without Tim Elko. This is with Kel Baker missing some time. You, you've had a lot of injuries is what I'm getting at here. It's a credit to you. It's a credit yeah. to Kevin Graham and a bunch of other people. But it's also a credit to two really good freshmen. I think potentially, if not inarguably, the best freshman combo of hitters Ole Miss has had under Mike Bianco with TJ McCants and Jacob Gonzalez, just those two freshmen and what they have meant. And TJ, considering he wasn't a part of the initial plan coming into the year, where would y'all be without him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, and you and I can, you know, remember conversations all the way going back to when you had me on a couple times in the fall and just kind of doing the fall ball deal. Um, I always knew uh, Gonzo was really good. Um, I would be lying to you if I said that I knew that McCants was had the ability to do what he's doing as a freshman. Um, keep in mind, McCants didn't have, I, I think I got this right. He did not have one at bat opening weekend when we went to, to the Rangers ballpark and, That's right. and played those three big ball schools. And so the only reason he starts to get at least somewhat regular at bats is Chattanooga goes down in game three of that, of that deal in Texas and is out for whatever he was, three or four weeks. And McCants swung it well enough that we had to figure out a way to keep him in there. And so initially that, you know, threw him out in left field and then it turned into center field because we moved bench in and Elko over. And, uh, obviously I, I wish I could say, I know, I knew, I knew we would not be good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where we'd be without those guys. Uh, we would certainly not be leading the league in the categories you just ran off. Um, man, those guys are special. And I think the the crazy thing, there's 
there's plenty of freshmen we've had over the years or anybody has that have the ability to be good. Um, the difference with these guys, just the confidence and, and they are two way different per- that I think they're the best of friends, but two way different personalities. Gonzalez is like, I don't, you've probably interviewed him. It's, it's like an impossible interview. Like, uh, one word is very, very, yeah, very, very quiet by nature. Um, and, uh, but a coach's kid completely locked into what's going on. And, um, I think we knew, um, very early on that he was pretty special. Uh, McCants a little more outgoing, um, but plays just with, with this edge and this confidence. Uh, it's gotten to the point where, (sighs) I will, I will joke with him and uh, tell him he can't do something or like, Hey, that guy on the other team uh, runs better than you, or he's got a better swing than you, you know, and, and say those types of things. And he looks at me like I've lost my mind. Like, uh, you know, he thinks he's the best player on the field. And so when you have a little bit of that to you um, and you're a good kid and it doesn't come across as wrong, uh, or doesn't come across as uh, arrogant. Uh, that's a pretty special uh, trait to have, and he's got that. And it just, uh, yeah, those guys have been crazy good for us. Um, I don't know where we'd be without them. You know, just they're both hitting whatever it is, three, three forty or three fifty. They both hit the ball out of the yard. They um, get on base. Um, McCann steals bases. Gonzo hits a few more home runs. It's just, uh, yeah. They've been good. They've been really, really good, and that's the understatement of the uh, of the podcast, I guess. We'll get right back to Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, another proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless, even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call, 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue, just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge, Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Yeah, it's a pretty loaded question I threw at you there. But look, man, we've talked about <laughs> so many times on this podcast before. And we've said this countless times. You got to have arrogance in baseball. And TJ McCants plays with arrogance, and I love it. And finally, I got what I wanted, which was him leading off. And Mike said, when we asked him about it, I asked him about it on Sunday in regards to moving him up, that you and him had some conversations about that. What kind of conversations do y'all have when it comes to the lineup and how it's constructed and things like that? Because I'm not going to bore people with just a full on discussion about, okay, this is my ideal lineup. This is what it needs to be. But just what is that process like? Uh, it goes a lot of different directions and uh, it's why I appreciate working for, for coach uh, so much. And probably why I've been here so long. It's just, um, he wants my input. He wants my input on it. He trusts me. Uh, and I appreciate that obviously. And so um, we discuss it uh, before every game. Um, and, and sometimes it's a very, very quick discussion and this is what it is. Oftentimes it's to the, you know, with this lineup, as it's presently constructed, it's, Hey, who, who do you want in the DH spot today? Because those other spots are, are fairly well solidified. But as far as the moving parts and, and getting TJ um, up at the top on Sunday, the Avenue with which we did that uh, was maybe to take a little bit of heat indirectly off of Dunhurst because he hadn't swung it well the last couple of weeks um, and, and bump him down. And, but to do that, you need to put someone in the middle and obviously the next best candidate in the middle is Gonzalez. Um, and so, um, you take him out of the top and bump him back down into the middle, um, and put TJ at at the top. And obviously it worked well. The hard part is, uh, us baseball people are very, uh, routine oriented. Some would say superstitious, uh, whatever it is. And when, 
we've swung the bat so well and so consistently all year um, that we just didn't want to mess with it. Yeah. Well, then you ru- then you run into the lighter kid and, uh, <laughs> and you know have a couple games where where you don't swing it as well. Um, and and we all know is way more a product of um, who was on the mound than it was us. Um, and you know, I think it kind of gave us an opportunity to mix it up a little bit because Dunhurst hadn't been going quite as good. We got him going yesterday and, um, we've been, well, uh, most of us have been wanting to, you know, maybe bump TJ up, up towards the top, uh, you know, for, for, for a couple of weeks. And just with the personality we talked about, we knew it wasn't going to affect him. Um, with some guys, they get real uncomfortable because they're used to hitting hit in a certain spot. And I think, it wouldn't matter to TJ if we put him in the one, the three, or the nine. He's going to be the same guy. So, and with our approach, um, we don't ask our leadoff hitter to be the traditional leadoff hitter. We want TJ to be the same TJ he was in the six hole that he is in the one hole. And if you like it, go get it. Um, and so we don't play really the the passive game up there and take a bunch of pitches and all of that. Obviously, some of us wanted him at leadoff. You can just say it. Ben Garrett wanted him at leadoff. It's fine. I did. <laughs> and by every measurable standard, he's the perfect leadoff hitter. He's OBP and in conference play at 434. OPS is at 1.016, average at 367. He's hit all five of his home runs. The leadoff hitter isn't just about a table setter that can get on base and then swipe a few bags, but he does swipe bags. He's eight for eight to lead the team. I'm just saying, every measurable standard, he's the guy. So, yeah, you can just say it. Ben, okay, we heard you. It's fine. We know you bitched and moaned. You're, uh, your check is in the mail. Thank you. Thank you. Well, he's tied with Hayden Leatherwood at 367 in average. And OPS-wise, Leatherwood's hitting better than him in OPS, second on the team in the conference against conference opponents in OPS. What is the conversation about potentially moving Hayden Leatherwood up? Yeah, I think uh, the the one thing that, that sometimes uh, gets a little bit tougher with, with our lineup, uh, I guess that's the best way to say it, is um, stacking too many lefts altogether. Now, the unique thing about most of our left-handed hitters is that they handle left-handed pitching really, really well. Um, talking about Dunhurst, Graham, um, Gonzalez, all those guys handle, handle the, uh, handle the left really well. So, um, yeah, I think it's something we got to look at for sure. Um, but you know, him down there, like you and I talked about a little bit off the air, uh, it really stretches out our lineup. And, and gives a real threat um, down at the bottom. And anytime our lineups have been, I don't know, what I would coin elite, like the 2018 and 19 lineup, like they just get stretched out um, and it just, you just kind of suffocate the other team. And, and having Woody down, Leatherwood down there, um, you know, in the bottom half, uh, man, it makes it really, really hard on, on pitchers and, um, it's a little bit non-traditional the way, way ours is set up with, with bench and the five. And that doesn't make, uh, that certainly doesn't look traditional, but man, he, he doesn't strike out. And like you and I have talked about before, uh, I'm not overly concerned with the punch outs, uh, generally speaking, but in college baseball, there's still a place for a guy who can put the ball in play just because it's different than in the big leagues. Like, uh, if you make a shortstop move to his right and backhand the ball, um, it's a hard play because he's not going to play in the big leagues. You know, some of the, most of these guys aren't going to play in the big leagues. They're going to be an account for years. So, um, you know, moving the baseball is, is still important. And bench does an awesome job of that for us. I mean, heck he's been hit by a pitch as many times as he struck out. So that's a really important piece in the middle and it breaks up some, some swing and miss. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I got on to, to, to that on the Leatherwood question, but uh, I, I don't know if we're done necessarily tinkering around a little bit but um obviously what what we've done has worked so far so we're, we're we're happy with that from an offensive perspective yeah you've got the number one offense in the sec this is a dumb podcast where we just talk about this stuff that's why i bring it up because y'all have forgotten more baseball than i'll ever know i'm just some dumb idiot behind a microphone what the hell do i know but i do know one thing i'm not knocking the kid because he's been really good over his almost career for two years but peyton's really kind of struggled the last four sec weekend series and I think he's hitting like 175 yep. over the last four weeks, and he's bat second the whole time. I'm not talking about moving him down. I'm talking about anything in that regard. But how do you get him right? Where is he struggling, and how can he get right? Because I know he's hit some balls hard, because Mike acknowledged that on Sunday, and he's had some bad luck, but it can't just be bad luck. So how do you get him right? 
No, you're 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 right. And so he's probably the one guy. It was it was he and uh, Dunhurst that probably over I don't know two weeks probably um, hadn't gotten the results that they or we want. Um, looks like we got Hayden going a little bit yesterday, and um, you know Peyton's the other guy that that just hasn't been quite as consistent. And the thing with him, um, it's my belief that when he goes when he goes bad, sometimes it can it can extend a little longer than what you'd want because he's such a free swinger. And so um, he, because he's a free swinger, he's going to, he's going to leave the zone a little bit more than he or I would like. Um, and so I think that's the main focus is, Hey, get pitches you can handle and don't overswing. Um, I think if we simplify it to that to start with. And then the other thing with him is <clears throat> his swing is always going to be pull oriented, which I'm fine with um, and, and perfectly fine with um by nature but it can't be so poor oriented that you know your 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 success is from where the third baseman plays to the to the third base line um i'm all right with him not hitting a bunch of balls to the other side of the field um but let's make let's make your success zone from second base to third base as opposed to um you know 10 10 feet of fair territory um, down the left field line. So that's kind of where we're at a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's something huge mechanical. Um, I just think he's got to get better pitches and, and, and he, he tends to, when he does get into a good count, a two and O count to overswing a little bit when he doesn't need to, because even though he's 170 pounds, um, you know, we've all seen that he can hit the ball plenty far enough and all of that. Um, he gets excited and overswings a little bit. So I don't think it's anything huge. Um, but we do want to get it going, especially because, you know, he's hitting in a premium spot in our lineup. Yeah, he's never going to be a huge walk rate guy. He's always going to be a contact right. guy. Um, is part of it, too, and I don't know this because I'm not a baseball guy, but is part of it, too, trying to demonstrate to him that, yes, it's good to make contact. Philosophically, a lot of people believe, a lot of coaches, especially traditional coaches, believe that make contact striking out is bad. That's fine. I don't have to agree with it. It's fine. Uh, but – the right contact, just making contact not, not isn't necessarily the right thing. It's the right kind of contact. It's okay to take a pitch if it's not your pitch. Just wait on your pitch and make the right contact when you can. Well, that's right. And I think that's where um, so many arguments in, in baseball circles get twisted um, because people feel like they have to be in one of two camps. Like you are either right. the, hey, just make any contact, swing and miss is bad, or you're in the, uh, hey, we don't care how many strikeouts we have. When you make contact, make sure it's solid. Make sure it goes to or over the wall. And I think there's a middle ground there. It's mm -hmm. exactly what you just said. The middle ground is, um, hey, I'm all right with you swinging and missing a little bit. Um, but also, we got to be a little bit better. It's, you you got to get, get the right pitch and the right contact. Um, I think there's a middle ground there. And I think that's where I live. Uh, as a coach, because I understand, and I think I would be different if I were coaching in pro ball, um, because those guys, any ball on the ground, you're going, they're going to catch it and throw you out. And even though we're playing at the highest level of amateur baseball in the world, uh, if you make guys, if you put pressure, on, we saw it yesterday. If you put pressure on guys, and momentum starts going a little bit, man, putting the ball in play is a big deal. And so I think there's a balance there, um, and I think it's silly the people that are too heavy one way or the other. And I think both extremes are probably wrong, at least where I live. And so, no, I think your point's a completely valid one of, hey, I can handle some swing and miss. Let's get better pitches um, and let's make more solid contact, period. Two more questions. I'll let you go. First, I know you're the hitting guy. You don't deal with pitching, but obviously you're in the coaching room. Y'all all talk about all these different things, all these different scenarios, all these different players. And Derek had a really tough outing on Saturday. It's been a tough year for him. The stuff for the first three innings, as I was watching, it was really good. And Vanderbilt just hit two really good pitches yep. out. That's what happened. Now it's spiraled. Yep. Yep. So is it a matter of just getting Derek right? Is that just the only solution to replace Gunner? Maybe I'll talk about other things. Or what is the solution? Or what is the conversation happening? Uh, Derek's odd. It's odd uh, because of exactly what you said. Like if you look, um, his numbers would be good if he didn't let innings snowball. And what I mean by that is um, in his poor outings, uh, it seems like uh, things just kind of snowball on him and he gives up a big crooked number and all of a sudden the game got away from him. 
uh, and he just got to do a better job of uh, damage control. And it's not a thing where he gets roughed up every single inning um, and gets consistently beat around the yard. Um, it seems like he has one bad inning and outing, um, and that's kind of done him in a little bit. And so certainly the stuff is good enough. Um, do I think we – I don't uh, – you know, and again, it's – it's hard for me to know exactly what's going on because I'm not in all of these conversations only because, um, you know, I don't, I don't work with the pitchers, but um, could we get creative as far as, you know, he's, he's obviously been really solid, kind of what you said one time through um, and he's been tough to hit one time through. Um, is that something we got to look at? Sure. Um, but also it's not just that because you got to have depth enough to run somebody out there after him and have to be aware of, hey, there's tomorrow, whatever tomorrow brings, and all of those things that obviously if he could give us some more length, it would be better for everybody. Now, what's the reality in that situation? I don't know. And as we work towards the postseason, what's that look like? Um, I don't know. But I think everybody's got some some warts and some hickeys on them, and you just have to um, continue to try, to try to try to massage that and figure it out and – see what pieces uh, work where, and that's all kind of come to a head with us just because Gunnar went down. And so when he goes down, um, you know, your options become a little um, more, more limited uh, and the depth uh, is a little more limited. So you got to get some length out of somebody. Um, and obviously we have confidence in him and his stuff um, that we just need him to step up and, and get a little bit of length out of him. He reminds me of two guys. One, Gunnar Hoagland as a freshman. The stuff, mm. you can't question the stuff. It's just between the ears and allowing yourself to flush things that happen bad, adverse situations, and just continue to pitch and locate. Not try to nibble. And also, Mike fulton The stuff, great, can be dominant, and then something bad happens and it spirals. So, I mean, you see this with pitchers, and it can very easily be rectified just by learning how to flush it and keep going. And I think, you know, with Derek right now, it's just more mental than anything. Cause again, those first three innings twice, Vanderbilt hit home runs on pitches that I was like, Oh my God, how in the world did he golf that out? Pull side too, a ball down and out. And he's pull siding yeah. it. It's yeah. insane. Leave it to you to bring up a Braves player. Love yeah, it. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I think that, I think that's true. And it's what, you know, as you're saying that and, and you're right about Gunner as a freshman, uh, again, I, <laughs> And this is this is not where you're going with this, but it it just makes what Doug has done in his career so amazing. I mean, because oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he never went through or has never gone through that exactly what you're explaining. That almost I feel like almost every, especially pitcher, goes through. Yeah, the outlier yeah. was his uh, first start it. this year, and that's the only bad time. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. He's uh, he's pretty special that way. Glad he's on our uh, on our team. But no, you're 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 right with 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 Derek. I think it's. I mean, it's all there. It's there for him to be a superstar, and the stuff, I mean, shoot, the stuff is good enough. And so it's just a matter of, uh, you know, can he get to a place, like you said, mentally where um, he walks out there and has complete confidence with every pitch he throws in and outing. All right, last one, I'll let you go. All right, so Georgia this weekend, what's the scout from a hitting perspective? Obviously, they're without Ryan Webb, the number one SEC starter. He's out for the year with an elbow injury. Don't know the significance of it, but he won't be yep. available for Ole Miss. So what is the scout for them and their pitching staff? Uh, they're, they're pretty good on the mound. Uh, a little bit young, and some of their good pieces are out of the pin. Um, they have a, a really high prospect that they've been throwing on, on Sundays, a kid named Cannon who beat Florida yesterday. I think Florida only scored one run, six to one or something like that. Um, who's a strike thrower with premium stuff will be up to 95. He's right handed. Uh, be up to 95 and throw a hard slider in the in the in the middle 80s. Um, but I don't think you know they've been up and down all year. They've won some. Like they're the only other. I think uh, they're the only other team to to beat Vanderbilt besides us in a in a weekend series. But they've lost some bad series. I think they lost the series to Auburn. Um, they've been a little bit up and down, and I think it's because they don't have their pitching exactly how they want it yet. Um, they they swing and miss a ton offensively, but also have some juice. Um, but I just think those, those arms are young, really talented arms, but they're young, and they've bounced some guys in and out of the rotation. And obviously, Webb going down, who's a veteran, and throwing a ton of innings for them uh, over the long haul hurts them. 
Um, but it's not, it, it's a huge series for them. I think they feel like they have to win two or three to have a shot to get into a regional. And so uh, we're going to get their very best. There's no doubt about it. He's Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, pretty much the co-host of this podcast at this point. Thanks for doing this again, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. You got it, man. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.